Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 91. Welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again is Sandy McKay. What's going on, Sandy? Hey, um, uh, you know, another day, more, more chaos, more fun, and uh, you know, same old, I suppose. <laughs> Sound tired there. You're just like, ugh. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not actually. I'm good. I'm pumped, ready, got a good guest, ready to uh, create some good, cool stuff here again, as always. How about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, things are going great, man. Things are going good. I just got back from the gym. I'm feeling pumped. So, ready to do this. Life's always good in real estate, right? Everything's always, everything's always up, everything's good. <laughs> Well, I mean, you got to find a way to make that the case, I guess, when you're an investor. Yeah. yeah. Make lemonade. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, um, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, before we get into the interview, we, uh, we want to just, of course, mention to everyone to go over to BreakthroughRAPodcast.ca, sign up for our, our uh, newsletter there, just check out all of our episodes. You can comment uh, and share them, all that. I uh, also get a a uh, free tool there, our ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estate. Get a free little report there for yourself to help you get, uh, get going with your real estate investing and you'll get on our list so you never miss out on, on an episode, you never miss out on an event we're doing, all that sort of fun stuff. So go, uh, go throw your info in there and um, let's communicate a little more often. See, that free gift, what is that again? What, like, what, what are they gonna learn? What are they gonna find out? They're going to learn how you and I make a ton of money in real estate and about every other person that we know, the ultimate guide to it. The, the strategy that, uh, that most newbies don't know, but they can, uh, they can with the right team members put into action and make, make, make a reality for themselves. Nice. Okay. So anyone who hasn't gotten that free gift yet, go on over there. It is free. Like we said, I think we said it's free. So go on over and get it, pick it up. It doesn't cost you anything and you'll learn from, uh, the best people that we know. Um, what else? I think everyone should go over to iTunes as well. Write us a review. Um, you know, we always love hearing from you guys what you, what you want to hear more of, what maybe you think that we could change, um, questions you want answered, anything like that. Just go over to iTunes and leave us a review. Um, it really helps. We've got, you know, I think close to 250 reviews on there. So I want to thank everybody who's done that so far. It really does help us out helps uh, people go into iTunes and looking for this kind of content, be able to find it and, uh, and learn from all of the guests that we have on. So uh, thanks a lot for that and go over to iTunes and um, leave us a review. Yep. 
What else? What else? Yeah, what else? I don't know. Do we got anything else to go through or are we get into the show, into the interview? Well, I mean, again, like since we put out episodes pretty close together, um, we haven't done too much development in this, but you and I are in talks. I mean, not in like negotiations or anything like that, but we are talking about planning a, uh, a, a live event for the podcast. So we're looking forward to having more information on that coming soon, but uh, we're thinking it's going to be, you know, we're going to try and make it a little bit of a bigger thing where we can rent some kind of a hall somewhere and have some really good guests that, uh, that people would be interested in coming to see live, get their ear, be able to ask them questions, which is something that people don't really get to do when it comes to this kind of format, right? Because we don't have a call in time or anything like that for the guests. Um, so I think a live event would be really interesting in that whoever we're talking to, the guests that are there, the, uh, the, uh, audience members for that show would be able to, to pick their, uh, pick their brain and ask them any questions that they want. So I think it's going to be a really interesting event and, uh, and I'm looking forward to having more information on it, probably in September sometime. Okay. Yeah, it'll be towards the ending of, of 2019, somewhere in there. And, uh, I, I suppose people can keep listening to every episode and we'll update them as we uh, as we get closer and uh definitely something that we want to see a lot of people out to a lot of people uh, that have maybe listened to us for a long time and have never met in person it'd be great to see them come out i think we're gonna have some amazing guests and content for the sh- for the for the day there and yeah we'll, we'll uh we'll talk more as we go as we get closer through the summer and uh into the end of the 2019 yeah and i mean we are working pretty hard on getting some really interesting guests for that and if it goes well then we'll try and do some more um i've talked to a couple people and and they seem to think it's a good idea so you know hopefully hopefully others will be interested in it as well so again stay tuned and we'll give you updates as we um as they develop So today we are super pumped to have uh, Sabio uh, Almeida, right? Almeida? Almeida. Almeida. Let me start again. Today we are super pumped to have uh, Sabio Almeida joining us. And he's going to be talking to us about Detroit fix and flips, something we've never talked about before. Also U.S. buy and holds. And we don't get into that very much either. So this is going to be a a very, very interesting, I think, untouched sort of uh, uh, territory that we're getting into here today. So uh, thanks for joining us, Savio. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, welcome. And uh, I'll read a quick bio here of, you, uh, of yourself, and then you can add to it if you feel like you need to. Um, Savio's, like we said, we're going to talk a little bit about, about Detroit, fix and flips, and uh, mm-hmm. some stuff in the U.S. there. Uh, Savio got into that after immigrating to Canada in 2013 via 51 countries. So he's got to explain what that means. Um, Savio couldn't find a job that replaced the income from the one he left. And so coming from an entrepreneurial family, Savio decided that it was time he started his own thing. And uh, he went through some, a process there, wasting six months talking to franchisers, started um, uh, Oakville Butler and Office Boys and a residential commercial cleaning company. And the plan was to scale up quickly by hiring the best people, having the best systems. And uh, three years later, Struggling the toilet of one of his clients' homes because nobody showed up to work, and Savio realized something had to change. So, luckily for him, found a, a cool event. Tony Robbins was in town. It was Pitbull. He went and checked out that real estate wealth expo, and uh, the rest they say is history. A couple of years later, Savio is now a full-time investor. Uh, he's got his own niche, 
that we're going to get into today, uh, learn a little bit more about that. And he's one of the only, maybe the, maybe the only Canadian investing in Detroit while still living in Canada. And he, he definitely loves to help others maximize their returns by taking the physical risk of investing in Detroit. And he's also um, wanting to, to get his audience to know how they can do the same. So we're going to share all, all sorts of stuff around that today in the interview. So welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's a, that's a lot of information about me. I just opened my, my whole book there, it seems. <laughs> but uh, before we get started, I, you know, I, wanna, I just want to say a couple of things out here. I mean, uh, uh, starting off with a thanks to both you, um, Rob and Sandy, for what you guys do. Because, you know, as an as a investor who's already in the game, um, you know, it's so important to have us out over here and share our stories. And I know the value of that. And I know what's going to happen right after this podcast <laughs> um, uh, broadcast, right? I'm going to get all these calls. So thank you for that. Thank you. I'm honored to have, uh, to be on this uh, interview. And then for the ones who are listening as well, like newbie investors, right? I mean, you're coming out uh, and doing something that a lot of investors who are there in the market today are not doing. You're giving back to the community. So from every one of us, I want to thank you because not a lot of people do that. And uh, it's so important, you know, you know, education is expensive, but what you guys are doing is, you know, giving back to the community for free in your podcast, right? So I can't stress the importance of listening to these things uh, if you're a newbie investor or if you're an existing investor already in the game, because the information that you get from these things is so, so valuable. And the energy that you, uh, you gain from listening to this thing, once, you, once you're done listening, is you get pumped up, right? So again, thank you so much. You guys are, are doing a great job and long may it continue. Yeah, and, and I mean, man, we get a lot out of it too because uh, we get to talk to guys like you and all of our past guests. And then once we're like, Sandy and I will spend some time on the, on the call usually after we're done and just talk about, man, like, like all the stuff we learned or how pumped up somebody was or, or whatever, you know, and it's, and it's great. So, yeah, thank you. Really appreciate you saying that. Now, uh, let's talk about how you got started in REI. I know, okay, well, actually, let's go back to the bio and talk about, you said you, said you immigrated to Canada in 2013 uh, via 51 countries. What does that mean? Yes, sir. So um, I had, uh, in my previous life, I had the, the luxury of working for a multinational company um, where basically I traveled the world. So, you know, I was, I was positioned... Um, physically positioned in uh, three countries. I started off in Dubai, in the United Arab Emirates. I got moved over to our headquarters in Switzerland. Um, I stayed there for four years, amazing time. And then, um, and then we got moved over to Kazakhstan in the Eastern part of, uh, well, former Soviet Union, but now it's its own country. Uh, we were there for another four years. But whilst we were there, my job um, allowed me to travel. So, uh, I, would, um, I was a global audit manager uh, for this food packaging company, uh, which meant that I had to go and visit these countries and, and see what they were doing and, and you know, uh, recommend improvements for their businesses. So, yeah, so I visited 51 countries. I say it's, it's usually the taxi tour because you're going from the hotel to the, to the office and back, you know. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I've set my foot down in 51 countries. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So, so that's not the, uh, it's not the story of immigrating to Canada though, through 51 countries somehow, but no, that sounds very, very interesting. So, so why, um, why did you decide to come here then? You know what? Uh, we were, um, I was recently married. We were in Kazakhstan, Russian speaking country, uh, great people, great experience, right? Very friendly. 
but my wife was like, listen, man, if you want to have any babies with me, you got to take me to a country that speaks English, right? And that's it. <laughs> so uh, we had already put our papers in a, a few years ago and uh, we were coming to the crossroads. So at that point, uh, my stint in Kazakhstan was over and our next assignment was in Paris, in France. Uh, and you would think, oh my God, you know, like young couple, uh, the city of love, you got perfume, you got wine, you got everything possible, right? But the wife was like, nope, they speak French there. I don't speak French. If you want to have my babies, you got to go. You got to take me somewhere. <laughs> so... So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all, it's about finding a why. And at that time I was ready to settle down, man, in the sense of, you know, have a, have a family and, and, and get this thing going. Right. So, uh, we took the tough decision and I would say it is a tough decision because, you know, we were doing really, really well, um, financially speaking. Um, but I looked at, I looked around and I saw all these other guys who were doing what I was doing, you know, professional expats, that's what we were called. And um, some of them, you know, at the end of like 60 years, they were still doing that. They were traveling so much and they had no roots down. So we, d we decided to take another route and uh, here we are. Now, where'd you grow up? So I um, grew up, originally I'm from India, right? So my parents are from India, even though my, my, my name doesn't say that. Uh, Portuguese roots. Portuguese name, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. India, as you know, uh, has been colonized for centuries right from uh, all over europe mainly british but there was portuguese there too uh so that's my my descendants but i i actually grew up in dubai in the in the middle east you know where everybody drives a red ferrari and uh, mm -hmm. oil field in the backyard <laughs> One yeah of yeah that's yeah. uh that's the consensus general consensus right yeah yeah and actually um you know uh we might touch on this later but uh you have to understand the culture that i grew up in right so very much uh, multicultural like Toronto, I would say, because you had a lot of um, immigrants coming there. Well, not even immigrants, but a lot of transients people coming there, right? So you couldn't get uh, citizenship in the country. The local population, I think, is 5% uh, of the total population. So really small local people. Uh, no financial systems in place. You know, we are talking about the 70s, 80s, brand new country, really, right? So they were finding their feet. They were growing rapid growth. We've all heard the story about Dubai. But living there, you know, there was no such thing as credit, for example, right? And this is super important in my story later. Um, maybe we'll touch on that. Uh, because I had no concept of credit and bad credit or good credit or, you know, how do you get financing and things like that. It was, everything was cash. Everything was cash, right? You, and cash is cool. Uh, so, so yeah, um, it, it was a different, it was a different uh, life for sure. And uh, it was a bit of a shock when I, when I moved out of there, uh, I actually went to school in, in Florida uh, for university and it was a bit of a shock, uh, you know, my first time out of the country and, and moving, moving to North America. So. Mm -hmm. Is your wife from Canada? No, she's from India as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So, so what would make you decide then to, to settle in Canada? So, you know, going back to, this, the, to growing up in Dubai, you know, you're talking about, what was that, 90s, so mid-90s, 95, <clears throat> you know, that, that explosion of growth was not there yet, right? It was about to happen. But here I am... Um, 17 years old and I just graduated out of high school and and the only thing that we had on TV uh, which was not a local channel was MTV so everything was you know was US based in the sense of what we the media that we, we were exposed to so it was every kid's dream at that point to do their university in the states 
or North America, right? So some, some couldn't get into the States and some Canada and whatnot. Um, and I had a lot of friends. So I, I myself went to, to Florida. Um, some of my friends went to Canada. In my case, I went back to Dubai to start my, my uh, professional career, but a lot of my friends stayed on. So I used to come back and forth when I was, you know, before I got married and whatnot, uh, to Toronto a lot. Uh, my best buddy was here. I still here now in Kitchener, Waterloo, but, uh, you know, come and uh, have holidays over here. So <clears throat> really liked the culture. I, I felt really comfortable, you know, a lot of multinationals, again, something that I was used to, you know, not just uh, one type of people. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, uh, you know, I grew up in a British school or I went to school in a British school. So, so all of those factors, you know, made me feel that, okay, eventually I want to come back. I wanted to come back to North America. This much I knew, right? Um, uh, Canada is much easier from an immigration point of view than U.S., um, so yeah, so so that's, that's pretty much that story. What do you think of the weather, the rain and the snow and the cold? Man, I, I love it. You know, I grew yeah. up in, in one season. It was summer, twelve months of the year, <laughs> what we consider summer, right? And it was right. Hot. So yeah. here we have four seasons. Ah, oh, you know, you can't you can't go wrong. It's I've been here now six years, and trust me, I've been around the world. There's the best freaking country in the world, man. For what we have, you know, what we get here, there's no comparison. Sandy, was everybody born on the wrong side of the world? Like, do we just all need to switch? Maybe that would solve all of our problems. We'd be be grateful, more grateful probably for uh, for everyone's a little bit uh, ungrateful in general, I think, because they they don't uh, have perspective on it, right? The grass is greener. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, now, okay, let's talk about real estate investing then. So we touched on it a little bit. You you went to a, uh, well, I mean, I guess you went to this real estate thing with Tony Robbins, Pitbull, and that started your interest in REI. But how did you actually, what were your first steps? How did you get started? Well, I get asked this question a lot now because, you know, I'm big on social media and people who want to start off, you know, ask this question and I keep thinking about it. And, and obviously the easy answer is you know, I had a business, it was hard and so on and so forth. But recently I started going deeper and trying to analyze myself and, and why I do what I do. Right. So I want to take it back to when I went to school in Florida, you know, I left, I left Dubai 17 years old. Like what do you know, right? A guy 17 years old, you go there. Um, and, and we're coming, my, my father was, um, was a worker, right? So he worked uh, in, in, a, in a paint, uh, international paint company in the accounting department. And he, stay, he stayed there, I think like for 40 years, right? Same job, consistent income. And that's all I knew, right? So, and he saved every single penny. So we were, we were middle class, but we were not high middle class. We were definitely not low middle class. We were like, I would say middle of the middle, right? And then, um, so he, he saved a lot of money, obviously just banked it every, every single penny of it to send my sister and I to college, right, in the States. And uh, when I got to university, I got there, you know, he said, listen, man, we're paying for your education. You're an international student. It costs much, much more than, you know, the locals pay. Uh, we're paying for your accommodation. We don't have a lot of money to give you to spend every month, right? So here's your budget. You had 200 bucks a month, 200 US dollars, right? And that was for my, you know, farting around <laughs> for the lack of words, right? So I get there and uh, I'm in the dorms and my roommate was um, a guy coming out of UPenn. For some reason, he ended up in the same university in, in Daytona Beach, Florida that I was at, right? He transferred. But um, I come to find out later, that was his punishment. So his father 
punished him, you know, by moving him out, out of UPenn to, to this other university in Florida. Uh, but the guy was loaded, right? So he wore the best clothes, you know, he, he went shopping every day. You know, the first <clears throat> three months that we were there together, he didn't have a car. His dad comes over, he buys him a brand new Lexus, a convertible Lexus, right? And he's living in the dorms with us, <laughs> which is his punishment. So, you know, I saw all that and I was like, wow, you know, I want to be that, right? And I looked up to him from a materialistic point of view, for sure, but because I didn't have, you know, all those things. And I said, I want to have that kind of life, you know, and, I, and I, I'm not going to accept meteorocracy you know, for the rest of my life. I got to do something to get to that level. I don't want to, I want to go into a store and be able to buy anything I want to buy without even thinking about it, right? So fast forward, when, when I started in my, in my corporate career, I was hell bent on moving up the ladder. Right. So I, I didn't care what people, I, I was so driven because I wanted this money. I wanted to be, you know, uh, uh, financially free, if you will. Right. Uh, and, and going back to my father, right. He always said, find a good job, work up the ladder. If you wanted to go up in the ladder, but stay in that one company. You know, I said, I told him, I said, dad, there's no way I'm going to do what you're going to do. Right. Cause in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm just going to blow this out of the water. Right. I'm not going to stay in one company. And I remember I stayed in that company for 15 years. And on the 10th year anniversary, you know, there was this big thing. The owners came out. I was in Switzerland. They took us out for dinner. You know, the ones who, who achieved that milestone gave us, I don't know, those pens or something like that, you know, gold, gold plated pens. And I called my dad. I was like, listen, I got this beautiful thing. It was a great event and all that stuff. And he's like, huh, I thought you were not going to stay in that company for a long time. <laughs> and you already passed 10 years now, you know? So um, going back to it, I was, uh, you know, I, I got that work ethic from him. I got that, you know, the idea of um, uh, moving up, um, you know, in a company from him, I would say. Uh, but at the same time, my mom is super entrepreneurial, right? So she was a teacher basically in school, but she didn't want to do that working for the man or working for somebody else. And she started her own business. She had a, she had a tailoring uh, shop in the start. And then when she didn't, when she realized that that's not going to pay, you know, a lot of money, she opened up her own school. She opened up two schools and she did very, very well. So I got that hustle and grind from her, you know, and uh, going back to your original question, how did I start an REI? When I, when I finally left that corporate job, I thought to myself, you know, I got, I'm at a crossroads again. I got a, I'm coming to a new country. I can start from scratch because that's what they told me. They said, listen, you're coming in from abroad. You don't have any Canadian experience. You know, what do you do? You got to start from scratch. So I left as a CFO for my company. They wanted me to start as, um, as an accountant or a financial analyst, right? So I had that option or I could go my own way and do something different. And that's what I chose, right? Um, now, um, for sure, you know, the business that I, that I did and I still have part of it is hard and you learn as you go, you know, um, uh, the mistakes that you make and, and so on and so forth. There's nobody to teach me. And, and entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship, most of businesses are like that, right? You learn from your mistakes. And, um, and as, as my bio said, you know, three years into it, while I was still scrubbing toilets because nobody showed up to work, I said, man, I can't do this for the rest of my life. It don't work, right? So I got to find something different. Was that, that was the same company? No, no, that was my own business. That was my own business. So oh, okay. I started up a cleaning company. Yeah, I started up a cleaning company uh, in Oakville called Oakville Butler and uh, Office Boys. Uh, Oakville Butler was the residential piece. Office Boys is the uh, commercial piece. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's how I started off my own. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about real estate investing. I had no clue, right? The only thing is 
I was lucky because when I left my 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 uh, my corporate job, you know, I got a golden handshake. So I had a chunk of money. When I came to Canada, I was able to buy a house, you know, in 2013, Oakville. Um, so by 2017, when I finally left, I had a huge amount of equity in the house, right? Uh-huh. So when I decided, when I went to the Wealth Expo um, after that after that day of cleaning the bathrooms, I was ready to go. You know, I, I had this motivation. I had this drive. I was like, I, I, you know, I need to find something else. And I, I went to that event. I said, this is it. Right. So, so I signed up for one of those classes. Uh, you know, they do the, the, um, the one day course for like 500 bucks or whatever. And then they, they get you in there and it's a three day course for another, you know, 1500. And then the, the big course is for 25 grand. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I did I did that and, um, and it was the best thing ever. And, uh, and even, even after that, you know, I did the flipping course because that's the one I signed up for. I had no clue about RTO, um, about, you know, student rentals, about Airbnb, you know, and all the other sources of income that you have. I never knew that, right? I, all I knew was flipping and, uh, or, or that's what I learned and that's what I got started in. So, um, yeah. And so oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, how did that lead you to Detroit of all places then? You're living in Oakville and you yeah. older place yeah. there. You're living in Windsor now, so I, I geographically it's, you're pretty close. Yeah. But yeah. It, was it was it was it through that training program that got you into Windsor or Detroit or how did that happen? Yeah, so so definitely, right? So flipping in Oakville um for a first timer is probably not the best idea. Right? So uh, <laughs> that we bought you know we we cashed out so you know once i went through the program i was like oh man i'm sitting on this ton of equity and again i was in a i was in flip mode right at that time i didn't know about you know renting or brr strategy i said let me cash out you know get all this money let's do a flip so i did a flip in oakville um and of course uh learning by through my mistakes i i did every single mistake that you possibly could do you know um i think at the end of it I lost 12, 12 grand, right? So it took me 10 months. I bought um, a crappy house, you know, on a nice street, but completely didn't, didn't calculate the ARV correctly. You know, uh, went with the realtor who's not an investor, um, so didn't know the numbers and so on and so forth, right? Um, went with a contractor who was coming out of Markham um, to Oakville, a GC, you know, I was at this, I was at the job site more than he was. So, so, you know, I, you know, there's, there's 20 grand at least over there um, for nothing. Um, you know, found out that he's subcontracting when he told me that he had all the trades in house, um, so on and so forth. So anyway, long story short, you know, I lost 12 grand, but yeah, uh, for me, it's paid education. Right. And, um, and I was talking to my coach at that time through that program. And, and he was saying, listen, man, the mistake you made was that, you know, the money is made on the buy. It's on the sell, right? When you're flipping, at least you got to buy right. So you got to find a, a market that you know that allows you to buy, uh, or there's a lower b- barrier to entry. So so I took that on, and uh, you know I, I I drove to Buffalo, I, I did Hamilton, I looked in Kitchener Waterloo, and all these the Canadian markets. Um, unless you had cash sitting in your back, because at that time I never knew about joint ventures either. You know, unless you had three four hundred thousand sitting in in your back pocket, you had to get a mortgage. Right. So the, the entry barrier is, is still pretty high. And, um, and, um, yeah. So when I looked at Buffalo, you know, each, each home in Buffalo, 
the entry barrier is lower, but they're old, old homes. So a first-time flipper, you don't want to open up the walls and find this freaking nightmare, <laughs> you know, that you don't know what you're doing in another country. So um, that's when I started driving to Detroit, actually. You know, uh, I looked, um, it was not that far, three hours from Oakville. I went to every single meetup there, every single one, before I even bought my first property. Um, you know, and met the players, saw the guys who were coming up these meetups uh, consistently. And I think I did that for three months. Um, and I just went up to these guys and I started talking to them. I was like, listen, I'm Canadian. I want to invest in your market. Why didn't you show me the ropes? Um, one of those guys that I met, Todd Chun, um, shout out to Todd Chun if, you, if you're hearing this podcast. You know, he, he came up to me and he said, listen, if you want to do this, why don't you come and sit in my truck for three days and I'll just take you around. You see what I do. So, and that's what I did. So this guy is a, he's a wholesaler. He has rental properties. He's a fix and flipper. He does everything. Right. So for three days from eight o'clock in the morning to about seven o'clock in the evening, I just sat in his truck and I went with him seeing everything he did. And I learned so much. He said, you know, at the end of it, if you like it and you like Detroit, we can do a deal. And that's how I got my first deal. And and how, and how's that? You joint ventured with this guy, or or you or or what was that? No, it's Detroit. It's cash. <laughs> it's all cash, you know. So so just to give you some numbers. So you did you did a wholesale deal with him? Yes. yes. Okay, he, gotcha. He wholesale the deals. Yeah. Um, you know, that that Oakville flip that I that I was talking about. I bought that house for seven hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars. Okay. So I put in another hundred fifty into rentals. Right. So we are talking about 900. I think I sold it for 986 or something. So, you know, um, but it took a long time to close. So I had holding costs and closing costs and whatnot. I lost money. That first flip that I did in, uh, in Detroit, I bought the house for 40 grand. Uh-huh. Right. 40 grand, right. Cash. Uh, I put in, I think 20 grand into it. So it was, it was 60 all in. I sold that thing for like a hundred, 120, if I'm not mistaken, it was 120. You know, I made 25,000 US. I did it in four months. So, you know, for me, the numbers just made made it so much easier. And I said, if I want to scale up my business and this is what I want to do full time, you know, I got to lower my barrier to entry. Now the business has changed a little bit more because, you know, it's not my own money anymore. But, you know, the concept is still the same, right? Hmm. Um, and so do you, do you use a realtor there or do you still just buy from this wholesaler? How do you know which areas are good? Yeah, no. So I, I use only wholesalers, right? I don't have the energy, the time or the, or the will to go knocking on doors or put marketing and whatnot. So I get the deals coming to me. They know my criteria now, you know, they know, okay, this guy's Canadian I'm going to go into these markets uh, through the experience. I've been doing it for two years now. I know the markets that I work in right? Oh, I want to work it. So I look at market fundamentals, of course, you know, the sub markets are, are, are so different even within one city, as you guys know. Um, so there's, there's only two or three markets that I, uh, sub markets, I should say that I go into, you know, number one criteria, don't get shot. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that's, that's the first and foremost thing. I want to save neighborhood you know, people want to move in their families want to move in their days on market is low, so on and so forth. So, uh, all that, all that stuff, my realtor, um, does for me. So when I get deals from wholesalers and they meet my first, uh, five criteria, 
I pass it on. It goes to the next bucket, obviously, and then that's my realtor who does the comp analysis and so on and so forth. You know, so, you know, as you know, real estate investing is all about your power team, all about your power team. And uh, if your team is good, then um, for sure you can, you can scale up. So then your realtor knows that you're going to end up selling with him. You're going to list it on MLS with him afterwards. And, and that's, you know, and that's how you give back to him for the work that he's doing uh, with your comps and whatnot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, as Canadians for, for the U S at least for Detroit, I can't, I can't comment for, for all the Americans, but for Detroit, you know, we have money. So <laughs> compared to, you know, what they have, right. So uh, for, you do a deal, you do two deals, they know you're going to close. So they want to work with you. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I mean, there's, there's a lot of people to talk, right. But then when you bring the money to the table and you do close, that's what they want. So, how do you get, um, how do you source and do you just find them through the network that I assume for the contractors and that sort of stuff? Has that um, ever had any issues with that or because I assume you're not there every day watching yeah. over what they're doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell me who hasn't had issues with contractors. <laughs> that guy, that guy's I've never had any issues with contractors <laughs> ever. No. He must be a multi-millionaire. <laughs> Just a lot of uh, learning opportunities. No issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> I know all through, um, for the most part, through referrals. So as I said, I'm present in every single meetup there. You know, that's, that's the way to go. It's free. Oh, it's, you know, 10, 20 bucks at the door. You can't go wrong because the value you get out of those things is amazing. So a lot of, a lot of the contractors I use, uh, most of them, I would say, is through, um, is through referrals. My electrician, actually, funny story is that um, I couldn't find one or the one that I was using was busy at that time and I needed something to get done urgently. So uh, I was listening to the uh, Bigger Pockets bo- podcast and somebody suggested there that, you know, go to Home Depot. I just sit there in the morning, early morning. And, you know, the guys who are coming in there, the contractors, those are the guys you want to work with because they're not drunk <laughs> already or they're not high or, you know, they're, they're, they're busy, right? So they come in early in the morning, 6.30. So that's what I did. I went to Home Depot and I sat there, you know, in the morning and uh, I took my Starbucks coffee and I was walking up and down the electrical aisle and I started talking to a guy and, and that's it. And now he's my contractor. He's my electrician. Come to find out he's actually a, a, a city inspector and he does work on the side like after, after he knocks off his, his full-time job. You know, so. Uh, that's great. Okay. So you, you mentioned 40 grand as the purchase price for your first place. Um, I don't know if the numbers are the same. Why don't you, why don't you run us through your most recent deal? What the numbers look like on that one? Okay, so one I'm finishing off right now. So yeah, definitely from the first deal to now, there has been some evolution because again, you know, the the neighborhoods change, right? Or the neighborhoods, I, I've refined my processes and the places that I want to invest in. So, but not not, not too far. So the one I'm going to be getting done with very soon. Uh, I bought that property for 58,000 US. So all the numbers we're talking about is US, yeah? 58,000 US. Um, I had a budget of uh, 50 grand uh, for Reno. Um, it has actually now come up to 60 grand, unfortunately, because we had a few break-ins in there. But, um, but uh, yeah, so 58 uh, purchase, 60 uh, Reno, and the ARV is 165. Okay, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah. So your minus closing costs and whatnot, it's about 30 grand in profit. And that's usually, you know, the, the, the mark that I try to hit. Um, mm -hmm. If I can't see at least 30 grand, this one was actually better. It should have been 40, but, uh, but as I said, we had some un unforeseen costs there, but if I can't see 30 grand in a, in a, in a project, I wouldn't even touch it. So, and is it tough to find those numbers? Like, is it, is it just because of your wholesaler and, and whatnot that you can do this? It's getting tougher. I can't say it's, it's, you know, it's, um, it's um, low hanging fruit as they were a couple of years ago because the competition is, um, is getting more and more as people, you know, uh, come back to Detroit. Um, initially there was no, there was no competition because the Detroit, like the local Detroit people didn't have, you know, a hundred grand to put in the house. It was not, you know, that, that was not there. I mean, when I started off that first house, I didn't even put granite countertops. I didn't put appliances. Now I know if I don't do that, my houses are going to stay longer in the market. Mm -hmm. Right. So the market is shifting a little bit. Um, so these kind of deals, you do find them. You know, I, I want to say I'll find one, at least one a month, a one good one a month. Right. Um, um, so it's possible, but it's getting harder for sure. For sure. And what is it like to, to sell in that market? Is it, uh, obviously if the prices are that low, who's coming in and buying the flip version? How, how long has that taken? And, uh, is there any, any challenges around that? Yeah. Ch challenges for sure. Uh, for our, mo most of my homes are sold to first, first time buyers. Right. So, uh, uh, that's the neighborhoods that I focus in. And, um, so, so there's a little bit of different when it comes to, uh, financing in the States, they have a little bit of a different system than we have here. Right. So they have the conventional like we have, right. But then they have, uh, something called FHA and VA. And these are, uh, basically state backed, um, loans. So in case the, uh, uh the, the buyer uh, defaults or can't make his payments, the state of Michigan will actually come in and, and pay off the lender or, or take care of some of the payments. Um, now, a couple of things. These are these are really uh, pro buyer, so they can they can come down to up to two percent down payment, which is freaking amazing. I wish we had that here, right? Uh, <laughs> however, from the seller point of view, it gets a little bit harder because they have uh, they make you jump through all these hoops, right? So let's say it's an FHA buyer on your home. Um, they send out an inspector, and the inspector comes in and he makes a big checklist of things. You know, stupid stupid like nitty-gritty stuff that you have to take care of then i gotta bring my contract contractor back in who wants the big job who doesn't want the small little you know snag list to take care of you know he'll take a week he'll do that whatever then we gotta call the inspector back the inspector is busy he's gonna take another two weeks you know he comes back okay he signs off and then the appraiser comes and the appraiser for us as we know is you know he's appraising the value of the house but in the States, the FHA appraiser, he's also an inspector. So he'll come back and he'll say, okay, there's the value of the house. Oh, but by the way, the inspector missed all these things, which you need to get done. So we got to do that again, right? So it's a, it's a rigmarole. So unfortunately, that delays the, pro the project. Um, and I always tell my investors, when I'm in um, um, for the renos, you know, I'm in and out between six to eight weeks. That's all it takes me, right, to do the work. But there's another, I would say, four to eight weeks before you can actually close on a house because of this issue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that's still not an unreasonable, you know, period of time to do a flip. No. Right? From, a, yeah. from, from an investor point of view and the returns we're talking about, right, if you, on the worst end, it's 
from a timeline point of view, from an investor point of view, the returns are awesome. Still, yeah. yeah. For me, I can't, um, if I have a couple of these homes sitting on the market, obviously that's, you know, tying up my funds too, right? So when I'm trying to scale up my business, I got to juggle these things for sure. Hmm. So you talk a little bit, can you talk a little bit about the returns then? You, you know, you, I know you work with some investors, you bring them in in some sort of a partnership, right? And what, what kind of expectations should they have if they partner up with you? Yeah, I mean, awesome question. So as my business is evolved, I have two different types of uh, investors, right? So I have, the, I have the JV partners, you know, who want, you know, a, a split of the profits. And for these guys, you know, what I say is that, you know, from the numbers we talked about, generally speaking, I'm aiming to, I'm aiming to hit 30 grand in profit, right? Within six months. So they bring in all the money, um, the more, and then I give them a mortgage out of the house, right? So that's how they secure their funds. Um, and they get basically 50% of the profits at the end of six months. So if you calculate that's 15% returns. Um, but most of these guys actually want to learn this. Right? So they're like, okay, Detroit, exciting. There's money there. I want to JV with you because, you know, we don't know about the city, but we want to, we want to start doing this ourselves. Right. So a lot of these type of partners of mine, they're actually coming up, they're coming up the projects. They're seeing my team, they're learning, um, you know, how to do a flip and so on and so forth, making the connections. I take them out to the meetups. They meet other investors, they meet other wholesalers and so on and so forth in the hope that they're going to start doing this themselves. Right. And then I have now, I would say in this year, I have a different type of investor who is basically a silent partner. That's what I call him, but he's, he's a money partner. And mm-hmm. they don't care about the actual returns. Not, I shouldn't say that. They don't care about the profits. They want interest, right? So for these um, investors, they just bring the money and it's like, okay, 15, 15% in six months. And I'm good with that, right? So they don't care about what I'm doing, how I'm doing it where I'm doing it and so on and so forth, as long as they get their returns. Which right. That's a, that's a, a much better for you. That's a much better uh, system. Yeah. Yes and no. I, I like the teaching aspect aspect as well, because you know, you know, I, I find the benefits of being in real estate investing and I want to spread that word to as much people as possible, you know, mm-hmm. want to be from there, from the nine to five and so on and so forth. Uh, I'm no coach by any means, but you know, I, I like to, I'm one of those, who um, uh, I'm a leader, you know, on the field, right? So if you see what I'm doing and you like what I'm doing, then hopefully you learn something from that as well. Uh, but yeah, no, from a just from a from a hassle point of view, definitely the the the, the money partners where they want only interest. That's the, that's the best case for sure. Uh-huh. Now, do you don't you think that um, don't you think that you could find those same numbers in Windsor? Or is it the draw of uh, the other market, like the Detroit, the U.S. market that that brings your investors to you? Do you think? I think so. I think so. There's a certain sexiness, uh, you know, associated with Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. There's a risk that people are like, "Oh, wow, we've heard about Detroit. You know, they they went bankrupt. You might get killed there." And I think that that uh, uh, generates a lot of interest, mm-hmm. right? versus um you know we know the Canadian market it's very it's very it's very boring in the sense of okay you make money but you just you know you sit you invest and that's it you sit on it right there's no there's no sexiness to it right um uh, but yeah i don't know if that answers your question but uh for sure well, there's definitely definitely more interest in Detroit. yeah i think maybe on the other side of that too though you're you're mitigating the rest a little a little bit with the flip 
uh, in Detroit because you, you might buy that same house in Windsor for, you know, instead of 58, it's 258, right? Yeah. Um, and you may make 30 grand off of it, but the numbers are higher to yeah. start out with. So a little more risk there, I guess. No, for sure. For the, the, the entry barrier is always a, a great motivator, right? So. And now you do tours of Detroit as well. You'll take investors down and show them the same way that this guy did with you. And uh, maybe they're not spending three days in your truck, but uh, they do get a lot of insight, right? So tell us about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's all about giving back, man. It's like what you guys do, again, you know, going back to how we started this conversation. I want to give back because if it wasn't for Todd, you know, taking me out for those three days, I probably wouldn't have had the guts uh, to invest in Detroit, you know? Um, so I want to do the same. Like people, Canadian investors, you know, we have so much opportunity in our own country, but right next door, there's a lot of opportunity as well, right? And there's so many, there's so much benefits and maybe you we'll touch on that as well when it comes to tax and so on and so forth um, that, you know, um, th that drives you there. Uh, but a lot of people are scared. Um, a lot of people don't have the knowledge, right? Or an ed education is, is power. So I want to give back definitely to, you know, anybody who's interested in Detroit or U.S. investing uh, as, as a whole, um, you know, to come out and to come out and see because, you know, they have the fear, okay, where am I going to go to Detroit? Like, I don't know the place. I can look in Google Maps. I can look on MLS and look at houses, but I know, I'm not driving these streets, right? So I bring them out on the weekend. Um, Usually, if they're coming out from Toronto, I tell them, listen, come out on a Friday night or a Saturday night, stay in my house. You know, I got a guest bedroom, uh, spend time with me and my family. And then the next morning, we'll actually go there. We'll take a drive. I'll show you the best uh, neighborhoods that I like to invest in. You know, if I have a project which is running, uh, for the most part, I do all the time. So, you know, we'll go to that project, you know, and we'll see uh, what, what I do there, you know, how I flip, like the, the finishes that is expected in that market. We run through the numbers so they get the idea of actual numbers while they're standing in the property. If my contractors are there, they get to meet them too. You know, if we can stick a meet up meeting um, while they're there, then we do that as well so they can see other investors. Um, you know, there's a lot of activity going on, right? So generally they get, they get much more comfortable when they come out these meetings, right? Uh, or this, all these tours. So. And what's the idea behind the tour? Like, why are you doing it? Is it to, uh, is it so that people can see what you're doing, maybe invest with you? Or is it just, hey, I'm giving back. I want to show what's, what's helped me. And, uh, you know, you can come out and you can learn. You can do this too. Yeah, both, both, right? I mean, if I have to be honest, of course, I want people to invest in me, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the key. But at the same time, I've had other guys who've come out of those tours and say, listen, I want to do it myself. You know, can I hang out with you um, for a couple of days? And, and that's cool too, right? So um, uh, definitely, you know, joint ventures is something that, you know, uh, explodes my business. And, and I want to give back to those people who are, who are interested in that. Um, but at the same time, if they want to learn, I'm, I'm all game for that too. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Well, they, and how often do you do them? Um, as in when really, so I have, um, a calendar, um, usually it's on the weekend, I want to say, because, you know, most people coming out of Toronto have to make a trip out here and, um, it's hard to drive three, three hours, do Detroit and then drive another three hours back home. So usually it happens on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and I think we'll put in the show notes, I'll send you my calendar link and people who want to, who want to set that up. 
actually what I do is I do a, like a 45 minute uh, phone call before just to try to understand their needs and why they want to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste my time either. Right. So if it's just a, um, Oh, Detroit is interesting. I want to go see, then, you know, we have to rethink something else. Right. Right. But, they can go drive through it themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm pretty blunt with that. And that's the idea of that. But you know, they have real strong interest and, and want, want to invest in Detroit then for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, what would you be able to uh, give us a picture just of the some some of your uh, pictures of your flip that you're involved in right now as well? We can put them in the show notes too. Oh yeah, just so that people can get an idea. Like, because you know, when when we're talking about a house, right? Like, I'm always envisioning that bungalow, the the three bedrooms upstairs, the one that I would put two bedrooms in the basement. Like, that's what I picture. So maybe that's not the case, right? It might be a completely different type of house. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, what kind of thing we're talking about. So, um, I mean, we could discuss that as well, I suppose. But, you know, would you be willing to just put some pictures or send us some pictures and we can put them in too? Absolutely, we can do that. Um, you know, and if people uh, want to click on my social media, so I'm big on YouTube. I try and, uh, I try and um, record everything I do there. Um, so you'll see the actual action of the flips uh, on my YouTube channel. But going back to the houses, that actually does a great point. So the single family bungalow, Hamilton Mountain type home, that's not what we're working with. We're, no. We are working with Victorian Tudors, you know, um, something that you would see in Toronto proper, you know, between 1,800 to 2,500 square foot homes, double, two stories, you know, beautiful, beautiful homes. I, I, I'm not lying, eh? And, and a lot of these homes have been just left abandoned when, you know, when the financial crisis happened in 20, 2007, people mm-hmm. couldn't pay the mortgage. They just left. They just upped and left. And these houses, are, you know, beautiful homes, again, that, you know, become like ghost towns, right? Um, and now people are coming back. So they want, want to come back in these communities. They want these beautiful homes. And we're just trying to revive them, man. Like, uh, you know, once we're done with the work, it's, it, I would buy these homes. I mean, typically the same home, you pick that home from Detroit and you put that in Toronto, you would pay nothing less than a million and a half, 1.5 million. Hmm. And they're yeah. selling, you know, 150, 165, 70,000. So, so um, yeah, we, I'm wondering why and what's your take on it to what's the, or maybe some pros and cons in your mind around active business, more like flipping and that strategy versus buying and holding more of a passive long-term game sort of approach. What's your take on it? You're focusing mostly on flips, right? So what's your take on those two strategies? Well, yeah, well, so I do both. eh? So, so I, I I actively flip in Detroit. And I say, I, as soon as I close the project, I take the money and I run. <laughs> that's, that's I <laughs> but yeah, that, I actually do that. So I, I buy and hold in window. Um, uh, you know, and this, this comes from just, just from a tax efficiency point of view, where basically, you know, um, you have different tax rates, obviously, for your active business and your passive business. And, and you, can, you can claim a lot more and so on and so forth, right? So I must say that up to 2019, that's what I was doing. Right. So I was, I was making money on my flips. I'm buying and holding in, in Windsor. I got a few properties here, which are cash flowing amazing by the way. Um, but in 2020, that might change, not my change. I think I'm definitely going to do something different where I'm going to buy and hold in the U S and the reason for that is because 
um, you know, for if you don't know or your your listeners don't know, there's something called the 1031 exchange in the U.S., where basically, you know, the capital gains that you make from your flips is not uh, is tax exempt if you reinvest that into another profit, right? Um, so of course, there's some rules behind that, but what that means is that I can do, let's say, five flips, make I don't know, 150 grand, go and buy a, an investment property uh, or buy a rental property, um, all cash, get rent in U.S. dollars, and sit proper, right, and not pay a dime of tax for that, mm. purchase, which, uh, which, which is, which is an awesome concept, and uh, I think um, more and more people should be looking at that because you know, uh, just to save some money and 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 expand their portfolio, right. Uh, going back to your question, Sandy, that's another thing, you know, I try to mitigate my risk by doing the flip in Detroit because, you know, the flipping, flipping game is, um, there, there's so much complexities with that, let alone the actual work involved. But if the market turns, you know, and you're stuck with, I don't know, five, 10 properties, you're screwed, man. Right. You, you know, it, it go, it could go from, I don't know, a, a, a couple of mil to nothing overnight. Right. So, uh, that's why I try and, and, and split my, my, uh, hedge my bets. Right. So I do that flipping business, active business in Detroit, take that money, buy and hold in, in, in Windsor, uh, just to mitigate that risk. What market are you thinking of, uh, of buying and holding in, in the States, Detroit? No, not Detroit. Um, because, uh, uh, there, there are better markets. There are more secure markets, right? Um, affordability is a big thing. I would love to do something in Texas. I would love to, but you know, those are expensive, expensive markets. You know, you're not looking at getting anything less than a couple of hundred thousand, right? A good property. But um, if you look at Toledo in, in Ohio, for example, uh, that's a very good market. You know, from a rental point of view, you can still get in. You can buy a, a, a duplex for 70, 80 grand, which cash flows. So. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few, there are a few places for sure. Okay. Uh, what has been one of your biggest challenges and how did you overcome it? Ooh. Yeah. We like these kind of questions, right? We got to get the challenges. It's not all, it's not all, uh, it's not all peaches and cream. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's something called the Detroit factor, right? If you talk to any investor in Detroit, uh, there's a Detroit factor. And what that is, is basically, the fact that um, you can get robbed anytime, multiple times, right? So uh, and you never get used to it. Now I've been, I've been robbed so many times <laughs> and I'm still not used to it, right? So the last one happened actually um, a couple of days ago, in fact, where they broke in and they stole everything, right? Um, which is a pain in the butt. Um, but what I realized is that um, you can mitigate that too. Okay, so for the most part, what they come for is the furnace and the hot water tank. Okay, um, now being the summer, you don't have to put the furnace in. So most of these homes that I'm buying, you know, you, they, they don't have the mechanicals, right? You're putting the mechanicals in there. So for example, I wouldn't put now in the summer, I wouldn't put the furnace in, okay, until the end of the project or in the closing, I would say that, okay, uh, once the house is sold, then I would do the uh, mechanicals. I would put the mechanicals in. Right. So that's a way of mitigating it. Um, this particular um, recent incident, unfortunately, um, I had bought all this material. So vanities, um, light fixtures, faucets, um, appliances. 
and, and, and most of them were not yet installed. So they were brand new inboxes and that's easy money, easy money. So uh, I'm, trying out, I'm trying out a new uh, alarm system. Uh, we'll see what happens, but yeah. So that's, that's a big thing in Detroit. You know, you gotta, you gotta, they say you gotta have a thick skinned uh, approach there. It's going to happen. You know, you gotta put that in your project costs. Just that's the only way, you know, except the fact that you're going to lose a couple of grand because of that stuff. But you never get used to it, man. It's like every time it happens, you're like, damn, you know, <laughs> I just lost some money there. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that, <laughs> that's awful. Um, I know what it feels like to, to come out to my car and just go, I don't remember throwing everything on the floor like that. And then you kind of go, oh, right. Somebody's uh, somebody's been rooting through it. And that doesn't feel good. So I'm sure that the, the level that you're speaking on, like losing all that stuff, cannot be fun. Yeah. Um, so now it, it says here that you've successfully sued one of the suburbs, Romulus, a uh, suburb of Detroit. Tell us about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, that was, a, that was a crazy story. So um, that was my, actually my first flip. So it's uh, in, in, in the suburb of Romulus. Um, we had done the work. And then exactly what this, you know, what we talked about with the FHA buyer, uh, I had the snag list, right? Um, so <clears> in <throat> mind, the work was done and I left, I came back home. So at that point I was still in, in Oakville. I was not, I was not in Windsor. Um, and then I had all this snag list that I had to, I had to address. So I called my contractor up and I said, listen, I can't come out. You got to go and do all this stuff. Right. So he was doing all this stuff. You know, he didn't tell me nothing. He didn't tell me anything. And, and my neighbor of that house, I had given him, a, given him my number. He calls me one day. He said, listen, there's a tag on the door <coughs> that says that if you don't cut the grass, the city's going to cut it for you. And it's like 250 bucks or something, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in Oakville. I'm not going to do a four-hour drive or three-and-a-half-hour drive just to go get the cut, the grass cut, right? So let the city cut it. I'm, I'm fine with that. I sold The house is sold now, right? I'm just waiting to close on this thing. So sure enough, they came and cut it. And when it comes to closing, <coughs> the, the, the title company says, hey, listen, there's a, there's a five or $600 lien on the house from the city because they cut the grass. I was like, hold on a second. They, they did it one time, but they're charging me 600 bucks. So I go to the city <coughs> and um, um, I was like, okay, I want to find out what this is. And this guy was having a shitty day or something. He was like pissed off with the world, right? And he wouldn't cooperate and he's a city he's a city employee right he didn't want to talk to me right and i was so mad because the closing is i think in a couple of days and this thing is spending you know it's, it's holding up the whole thing and i wanted to pay this off so i said listen just take 250 bucks give me a receipt so now they charge me 600 i paid another 250 bucks i got this receipt and we go off to the closing and then the closing they say this thing is still um it's still um on record and you've not cleared this I'm like, man, so they, we had to get an extension for the closing. And now I'm going back and forth from Oakville, right? So I'm, I'm like right up to here at this point. <clears throat> and I go back to the city and I'm like, listen, I, I put out all these receipts and so on and so forth. And they're like, nope, you didn't pay. You know, something's, it's not, it's not, it's not settled. And I, I, I lost at this point. So I walk across, I get, I get out of the city, city hall, whatever it's called. And it, I go to the court, which is the, right next door. And I was like, listen, how do I sue somebody? Because I've heard in America, you can sue anybody at any time. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, fill in this form. It costs 25 bucks. So I put in the information and uh, I, I've taken this guy's name now. 
and I put their city of Romulus and this is the guy. And when I gave it to the, to the court, just, you know, the, the person at the court, they're like, you're suing the city? I was like, yes, I'm suing the city. I was like, okay, whatever. So she gave me the receipt and all that. And I go back with this. I, I knew it was going to take forever, right? To get this thing in court or whatever. I just wanted to threaten this guy. So I went back and I was like, here it is. I'm serving you right now. You know, I'm, I'm suing you to this guy at the teller. And that's when he shot himself, right? What he, <laughs> he got scared, obviously, right? So he went and called his boss. And the boss came back and we sat out, me, his boss, and that guy for like an hour solving this thing. And finally, they found out that, yeah, they, they misappropriated, they mis, um, what is it called? They misappropriated uh, the funds or whatever. They put it in the wrong accounts and so on and so forth. And we got it all reconciled and they, and they, and they set me off. And I was like, okay. And I went back and I took off the case for them. So I successfully sued the city <laughs> and I won. <laughs> Perfect. And it cost uh, 25 bucks. So oh. not too bad. Not too bad. Had a lot of time. Had a lot of time. Mm. All right. Well, I'm sure we could talk all day. Um, let's let's just go right into it. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about Detroit and what you're doing? Yeah. So big. I'm huge on social media, or at least I try to be. Um, so my my handle is real estate real estate investor sad. So all one word, no spaces, real estate investor sad. And you can find me on Facebook, on um, Instagram and on YouTube. So that's, that's the best way to get in touch with me. You'll see all my, my stuff there. I try to post as much as possible, the challenges as well. Um, and then if anybody wants to send me a mail, it's sav, S-A-V, at realestateinvestorsav.com. So um, pretty, pretty straightforward. And if you want to organize one of those Detroit tours and you want to just ask some questions, then by all means, you know, go there and we can hook it up. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, well, um, we're going to put all that information in the show notes as usual. So if you are driving or whatever and didn't have time to jot that down, just go over to BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca, click on Savio's uh, interview, and then all the show notes will be there and you can just uh, – You'll be able to get in touch with them. All that stuff's going to be right there. So um, thanks again, man. Really looking forward to uh, seeing that, seeing some of the pictures of your flip and that kind of thing. So uh, there's been a lot of information here and, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about the market. I haven't done flips. I sort of, I've said to myself, you know what, I'm done with that because the appreciation was just, it was, it was rivaling the amount of money that I could make, you know, just over that, three, four months that, uh, that I was working. So, uh, or the three months or four months after that, when I realized, geez, I didn't really have to do any of these renovations and the house would have been more than I sold it for. So I kind of went, you know, when I'm done with, uh, with flips for now, but this has sort of given me a different perspective, right? A way that you can, uh, a way that you can make some active, uh, real estate investing, you know, exciting kind of stuff. And, uh, and thanks again. Anything to add to that, Sandy? No, it was awesome. I, Detroit's uh, great to hear about some a different market and um, love seeing Canadians being a little bit creative and finding ways to make stuff happen. Cause um, I love it. They just went there and, and found the people, right? And a lot of people, a lot of people yeah. struggle with doing, um, with doing uh, anything in this business. So they, you know, this happens too slow for them and, Really, it's about taking action, right? And, and taking some of these, these thoughts that we've learned today, but going out there and meeting people, going to meetup clubs, getting stuff done and get the power team going and, and just go, right? I think uh, you, 
seems like you're a pretty great example of that as you just went into a new market, new, no, new nobody. And then within a year or less, probably you're, you know, crushing it and, and providing great opportunities for other investors who should reach out to you about that if they're interested for sure. Well, it's like one of those things that they always say, right? Like if you decide to go and invest in, in Detroit, now all of a sudden, all of those roadblocks just magically appear, right? But what you did is you went down and you figured out how to get through them all. So, I mean, that's, it's the same case with anyone doing uh, anything like this anywhere. So congratulations and kudos for, for sticking to it and, you know, learning what needed to be done. Um, not taking those roadblocks as a reason to quit, but uh, something that needed to be overcome. So thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Ev. Um, get in touch with me, 289-389-6846 or info at mckayrealtynetwork.com. Perfect. Uh, anyone interested can get in touch with me. They can call me at 289 289- nine two seven zero four six four uh and uh and sav you want to say again real quick real estate investor sav facebook instagram youtube okay well everyone thanks for listening and we'll hear you all next time sorry sandy you had something else no absolutely not (laughs) just uh go for it sign off (laughs) we'll see you next time bye guys